It's like going running level. alone or going yes. running with a group of people. Yeah. You run with a group of people, you run further, you run faster, you run better. You run yeah. alone. Yeah. Two out of three people who run alone, and I'm in that group, I'm just not going to perform at the highest level. When I'm in an office, I used to do 20 meetings in a day with founders. Yeah. 20. I would go for 12 hours, 20 to 30 minute meetings. That's crazy. Wow. No breaks. Eating at the table with a founder. I, no, when yeah. we did our accelerator, I probably do 30 meetings in a day. I would do three groups of 10. Wow. And I would give each one 15 minutes. So yeah. you know, for an hour. Yeah. And we were on a clock. Yeah. And we and the clock was in the corner. I mean, YC does this too. Everybody yeah. does this. But the point is, performance goes up in a group, in a room. This Week in Startups is brought to you by... And Broker Startup Insurance Program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. Open Phone brings your team's business calls, texts, and contacts into one delightful app that works anywhere. Get 20% off your first six months at openphone.com slash twist. And Roots, invest in the only real estate investment trust that creates wealth for you and its residents at investwithroots.com slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome back to This Week in Startups. I'm back, I'm back in the United States, and so is Sunny Sandeep Madra, also back. Uh, we happen to be in Italy at the same time. That was nice running into you. Just randomly, yeah, it was great. Spent a couple of days together, played a little bit of cards, uh, saw some friends. But here we are, we're back, and our voices are a little shot. I don't know, I can't, don't want to attribute it to anything, but nice to um, get a little time in Italy. And, you know, on This Week in Startups, we like to do this weekly AI recap. We tend to do it on Monday or Tuesday, uh, so consider this This Week in AI with my good friend, Sandeep Madra. If you don't know his uh, company, it's called Definitive Intelligence. They do AI data analytics, basically pointing all this incredible AI at your data sets to make you smarter and make better decisions. But then and also combining it with- you. And do the work for you. But also you're combining it with public data sets too. Yes. Which is super fascinating. So you could have your internal data set of, let's say all your sales, uh internally all your marketing internally but then you could put it against say amazon's reviews or google trends or the stock market or weather and this is the holy grail that we never really got to why did we never get there sunny when we look at how data we've been talking about big data for 20 years we've been talking about the cloud for 20 years we've been talking about data science for 30 or 40 years you know turban in corporate America, yeah. obviously, these disciplines have existed for even longer than that. But it's it's been front and center in corporate America. But it never really came together uh, the way it is now. Why? Well, I think it was like a, a few factors. And we've had a perfect storm. I think it was for a long time, companies were resistant to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And companies that were doing this type of work natively were cloud native, meaning you know, for the longest time, Facebooks of the world, Googles, Amazons, you know, despite having their own clouds, they were using sort of cloud technologies for a long time. Yeah. And so it took a long time for enterprises to get comfortable with the move towards cloud. So that was the first shift that was needed. Um, then the second shift that was needed was um, an ability to basically 
make it easier for a broader range of folks to access this data. Mm. And I think that's what's really kind of come together with AI. You know, if you had a lot of data, which many companies did and had it in a data lake that you spent millions or hundreds of millions of dollars putting together, but usually all the requests from the CEO down get funneled into a team of maybe five or, you know, 50 analysts. And those are trying to answer all the questions for every person in the business. And that wasn't scalable. And I think that was the choke point, if you will. That was the choke point. Exactly. So you have this incredible data lake, you invest in it, but only like there's a little tiny dock and like five people can sit on the dock and fish from this incredible data lake. Correct. Now, everybody's out in the lake, wave runners, boats, people are swimming in the lake, everybody can go drink from this incredible lake, and then the insights happen. And that's really why this is a revolution. And uh, the the thing I saw this week that I thought was or while we were on a little bit of a break there having all star summer, I don't know if you knew this, but we dubbed this summer all star summer here on uh, this week in startups. And man, we just had the CEO of MongoDB on wow. and Ryan from Qualtrics on we were just having crazy CEO level talent on the pod to, to keep everybody's summer really, really hard. Even Dharmesh from HubSpot came on. Uh, thanks to all my friends coming on and, and supporting me during the all star summer here. And uh, if you're one of my all stars, reach out. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do a quick uh, uh, conversation. Actually, know who I'm having on tomorrow is the uh, Whoop CEO. I don't know if you oh, know Whoop. Everybody's yeah. into this Whoop uh, the, wristband. Yeah, the band. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about getting on that Whoop because I'm, you know, I'm getting on the health kick. So yeah. um, Will will be on tomorrow. Amazing. But while we were gone, couple of things were going down obviously we still have this strike going on by the writers guild and yep. the thing i found very interesting about that was i uh have been getting tapped for some entertainment projects and i find myself using chat gpt to do my research even to do some proposals and it's wonderful yeah absolutely works great there's no doubt in my mind that anybody who's a writer on a tv show can get benefit from using these tools and i don't think it replaces people but on the actor side, I do think it does replace people. And that was shown to me perfectly, crystallized for me so perfectly. Not with the Star Wars, you know, Princess Leia, yeah. Luke Skywalker cameos, trying to cross the Uncanny Valley. Not even the new Harrison Ford. I don't know if you saw, the, did you see the new Raiders? Yep. I mean, that Harrison Ford, I, I did not realize that was de-aged. Yeah, I thought that that was from uh, when I first started. I thought, oh, that's like a previous movie, or is it outtakes or something? No, we, and then we I was even. Like, I think we even talked tell. about it. We talked about yeah. it, right? We yeah. saw like great right, when they took like a we did a uh, like a demo uh -huh. of a like someone taking an older Harrison Ford and making him younger, right? So yeah. we saw that, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the thing that has crystallized it for me is a little TV show called South Park. Yeah, and the reason the this crystallized it for me, yes, is because when South Park came out. uh Trey and um, Matt, Matt, they when they created it, used uh, if you ever seen the first episode that they did, I think in college or short after college, they were, you know, doing stop yeah. animation, basically with cardboard cutouts. Yeah. So they used this lo fi. So lo fi stop motion would be the first thing that computers can just perfectly replicate, obviously. So sure enough, somebody created a, an AI generated showrunner basically but not only did they nail the animations which is easy to do they nailed characters 
location, yep. and plot. Now, yep. I'm using the term now. Um, perhaps that is a bit of a moving target, but I would say enough to be uh, fascinating. So explain to us exactly how this has manifested, because this is the first multi-dimensional AI effort that I've seen for entertainment yeah. specific. Yeah. And J.Cal, for this one, let's pull Nick in because, oh, you know, producer Nick. Yes. Yeah. Because producer Nick has really done a lot of good background work on this one. Okay. Here we go. Um, so Nick, Nick, why don't you, why don't you lead out on this one and then I'll, I'll chime in with you. Yes. <clears throat> hey everybody. Um, were you in Italy? <laughs> no, I wasn't. So yeah, this, this South Park demo was done by a team called Fable Simulation. Mm -hmm. um, they've worked on VFX projects for Pixar and Oculus in the past. Um, and right the now, they're, yeah, they're, they're legit. This new model they built as a generative TV and showrunner agent. It's called, um, it's called show one, show it can one. write, animate, direct, create voices and even edits. And what they did was they basically put a prompt in, which I can pull up the prompt right now. Basically the prompt was researchers trained an AI robot pig to write infinite TV shows, but it goes horribly <laughs> wrong. Cartman is a big fan of AI generated TV show Westland Chronicles, which is basically a stand in for Westworld. The Writers Guild is on strike because of AI. And from that, it created this basically 20 minute South Park full episode. And I would say, honestly, in terms of the plot, it's like 60 to 70% there. Hmm. And just yeah. as, as a general like plot overview, what happens in the episode is Cartman, Kyle, Stan and Kenny are all debating this new show Westland Chronicles that's AI generated. Cartman loves it. Kenny and uh, I'm sorry, Kyle and Stan think that it's wrong, yeah. that writers are now being generated by ai instead of instead just of so human. meta yeah it, well exactly <laughs> it's crazy and then so the show and this is where it's like so it so nails like the genesis and the joke writing of and south park. park always does as well yeah. which is great so yeah. the the show is being produced by a company called disney obviously <laughs> standing for disney and in the episode, these Disney researchers are creating a generative AI pig, which is basically, you could think of the pig as Mickey Mouse. It's called Met Porker, which is funny enough, like a combination of Matt Stone and Trey Parker's names. Mm -hmm. Met Porker is the pig and they create this like generative AI pig to, uh, and they start training it on like different racial stereotypes oh, and no. it goes horribly wrong and the pig oh, turns no. racist and then it becomes a big news story. But that is almost exactly what would happen on a South Park episode about generative AI, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not like falling out of my seat, like hilarious laughing. So I think your 60% sounds about right to me. It gave some good bones to an episode. Mm -hmm. It obviously has, as part of their model, my understanding is they put in every script, every location, every character that's ever been on. And in other words, they took the Wikipedia or the Wookipedia or Wikia, whatever, you know, those South, vertical South, wikis South, are. South Parkopedia. South Parkopedia. If you, if you ingest South Parkopedia and it knows these are characters and it knows these are locations and then it knows the themes, it knows they like to do laboratory experiments. It knows they like to send up corporations and Disney. So the AI is going to get you 60, 70% of the way there. But what's very interesting about this is the script would normally be over here in language model land, right, Sonny? Yep. Yep. The images would be over here in stable diffusion land. Yep. So what's happened here is stable diffusion land and open AI land have been merged, which we knew would happen. But here we are in month 10 of this revolution or month yeah. nine of this revolution. And somebody stitched those two things together, didn't they? It was bound to happen. And, you know, even OpenAI, right, has Dolly. And so 
um, you know, it's not doing full animation yet. And we'll talk about runway and some other things in a bit, but um, that intersection is already here now, right? And so you can assume that this type of functionality, especially with the ability to set like context windows, uh, in this case, um, like, you know, the entire South Park training set is coming really, really quickly to anyone. And that's going to be a big threat to um, the, the writers and this whole strike that's going on. Listen, I work with super early stage companies that launch like literally year zero, they haven't even incorporated yet. And then we hit the series A, people have 1000s of dollars in MRR, and they maybe they've only raised a couple of 100,000 before that series A, and they don't have their insurance set up. And in fact, we recently had a great startup that didn't have DNO, and we had to really stop everything because they were having board meetings, they were making massive decisions, there were legal issues. And they didn't have the basic DNO insurance that protects directors and officers. So we send them right to Embroker. Embroker is business insurance built specifically for startups. A single application will help your startup get four quotes for four lines of coverage in 15 minutes. Think about that four quotes, four lines, 15 minutes. And they're going to connect you with one of their expert brokers for unmatched service that goes beyond your policy. We use it at launch. It's easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's easy breezy. What more do I need to tell you? I use it. I love it. A lot of our startups use it. They love it. Try and broker today with the code twist and you'll get 10% off their startup package in broker.com slash twist. That's E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist and use the code twist for 10% off. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. And the truth is here, in on the animation side, Nick, you don't need for South Park to send this to, I think they were doing it in South Korea. Wasn't that the big yeah. animation capital for item? I, I remember reading somewhere that the way they turned over the animation so quickly in South Park, because you'd be like, wait a second, this Wednesday's episode is, is about, about <laughs> you know, yeah, Trump getting indicted because of the video cameras, right? Yeah. And you'd be like, wait a second, didn't that indictment just drop on Friday and you got it by Wednesday? So there was some compressed thing that they that was part of the magic of South Park was how did they do it so fast? And here we have they could be working on it on a Wednesday afternoon and drop it Wednesday night. Yeah. So South Park could be commenting on the day's events with a with high fidelity in the animation and then you need zero animators. So yeah. I mean if you're an animator for South Park right now, this is code red. They don't need you. Now if you're an animator for you know uh, Ashoka or Clone Wars or Pixar, they still need you. So this is the beginning of the episode uh, where uh -huh. Cartman and Kyle, Stan and Kenny are talking together. Get this. Disney is using AI to make the entire fifth season. Haha, <laughs> that's right. Artificial intelligence, baby. What? That sounds like a terrible idea. How would AI even make a good story for Westland Chronicles? Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle. I didn't realize you were an expert in AI technology. How about you let the super smart machines do their job and we just enjoy the freaking show? Whatever. You guys can keep watching your lame non-AI TV shows while I enjoy a thrilling new season of Westland Chronicles. Fine, you enjoy your AI-generated season. We'll stick to shows written by actual humans. I would say the voices, because I forgot to bring that into play here. Uh, you know, be doing AI-generated voices are perfect. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't think I could tell the difference in a show. Um, I think you can a little. The inflection, the inf a little inflection, off. the inflection is a okay. bit off. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, but they could probably smooth that out. Oh yeah. That's just a matter of. I don't even think that's a matter of technology. There's probably just a little more work. Like more, more tuning. Yeah. More tuning. So let's just say they got the voices. 
the dialogue is kind of lame. It's not funny. It's boring. So it's halfway there. And the animation is obviously 90% there. Or Yeah. I mean, most yeah. people aren't even looking at the screen anymore. <laughs> yeah. So pretty amazing. Yeah, the you're right. The animation is the closest. And I would say the general, like, the sting of the joke is probably the the furthest thing from what they have. Right. But as we showed, I think two weeks ago, we were sitting here and we were putting memes up and it was explaining memes. So I think if you did some reinforcement learning here and said, that's a funny South Park joke, and the South Park writers punched up the jokes in real time, this thing, after having 500 jokes punched up, would have enough of a, uh, of a data set to punch up its own jokes. And joke, yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. So with reinforcement learning, I, and I have to say this is inspiring, I think, as well, because um, you can could, you could look at this through the lens, Sonny, of what's lost. Okay, the animators are losing their jobs, 100%, they're done. Yep. The people who uh, do the voices, they're losing their jobs. They're completely unnecessary to have Matt and Trey and whoever else is doing voices do the voiceovers. Now, you, you may still want to have the animators. You still may want to have people do their voices. I get it. But I'm saying necessary. In the next year or two, completely not necessary. And then the writers are the most necessary. But do you need 10 or do you need five? I think you probably can get rid of two or three and let the, the AI brainstorm. And then next year, it's fine. Okay, so people are going to lose their jobs or you don't need as many people. What are the, what are the things you gain? Well, here's the things you're going to gain. You're going to be able to do this in real time. You're going to be able to do it tonight based on today's news. Yep. You're going to be able to do 10 times as many episodes because the cost is going to be so much lower. So there's no reason for them to go on hiatus. You could have a South Park every week. You could have South Park every night if you wanted to do that. Now that might dilute the brand. You got to yep. be thoughtful about it. Um, well, the other thing you could think about um, is uh, let's just say there's a historic show. And that had, you know, writers, actors, the whole kind of uh, infrastructure required for a show. Do you remember the, the, like the, well, I guess it's called the X account now, the X account, modern Seinfeld. Do you ever, do you ever follow this no. one? Oh, yes. There yeah. is an account on Twitter. Yeah. Where they take the characters from Seinfeld and they put them in modern day scenarios. So a modern Correct. day scenario might be using open AI yeah. or flying in a VTOL or yeah. cryptocurrency. So, and it, it's like when they do they do this for Sopranos. There's a guy on yeah. TikTok who will do Christopher Moltisanti talking to Tony Soprano about, <laughs> about NFTs. Like, trying to order an Uber or yeah, yeah. NFTs. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So modern yeah. day situations for classic shows. And now you could actually do that. And now you could do that, right? And so what I think it does is it basically says for creators that have, you know, strong basis in content, there'll be an ability because I would like I love Seinfeld. I still watch mm -hmm. Seinfeld. And I would love to watch some modern Seinfeld shows. Jerry is never going to do it, right? They're never going to come together. But I would pay for that. And I think everybody that was involved in that infrastructure should get paid. And so I do think, uh, you know, there's going to be a real big opportunity. And what we might end up with is not like 10 seasons of a show. We may end up with one or two, let's call them human-powered seasons. Mm. And then beyond that, that's enough of a seed for people to continue with it because they enjoy it. In other words, you know, like General Hospital and some of these um, soap operas, I mean, they've been going on for decades. Yeah. 
And if you take the general hospital model where they produce, I don't know, a couple of hundred episodes a year, um, you could have the Sopranos come back. You could fill in the, all the episodes in between. You could just say, Hey, here's the, here's the foundation. Here's the, um, canon. Now we can do non-canon stuff and fill in in between. Here's what was happening in New York. Here's what was happening in Miami. Just fill in. So that's a really incredible opportunity. You take some show that people still love. I mean, you, you could go far back. You go back to MASH. Yeah. You could go back to Cheers. You go back to, you know, um, you know, whatever show. And so the op- I like to look at the opportunity. And then I think what you said there is very interesting in terms of a new model for those actors. So those actors made all their money in the final seasons, right? Yeah. They yeah. negotiate together as a group. They got a couple million dollars. Everybody makes their money on the last two or three seasons. Yeah. But what if, you know, some show like The Sopranos, uh, with the, the lasted nine seasons or something? Something like that, yeah. It was like yeah. seven, but the last season was split into two, so eight, really. Eight seasons. So you have it, seven, eight seasons. What if that entire group could vote or it, they had in their contracts, hey, for every additional season, you're going to get paid, even if you're not on it a minimum of in today's dollars 80% of what you got paid for being there and now if i'm an actor and you give me 80 cents on the dollar for something that i have to do zero work for that seems pretty reasonable to me in perpetuity yeah and then what does that mean for the network well the network can say well we can keep putting out sopranos at 80 cents on the dollar pretty great and if and even after you know uh Gandolfini has passed away, you, you know, and um, a number of the other cast members, yeah. tragically, people can still enjoy this in the family. I mean, I, I think that's the the in- very interesting opportunity. Now, this there's another rub here. So we, we've identified some really great opportunities here for everybody. And it could be win-win. And people could opt out of it too, right? You could be yeah. Jerry Seinfeld and say, you know what? I created this. It, it, it's, do not train. You're not allowed to train. You're not allowed software. to train. On, which that should yeah. be like the artists at the artists yeah. and the producers and everything should have to come to that agreement but here's another opportunity you could personalize this stuff and so knowing what it knows just like cameo does personal stuff i could watch a seinfeld or you could watch a seinfeld that could tackle some topics that you really like i could watch a south park that was funny and included things in my world or you could regionalize it so you could have south park but it could be based on the politics of brazil or it could be, you know, have uh, an Italian aesthetic to it, right? And and they did regionalize shows, right? You'll have shows like The Office that came yeah. from the UK to the United States. But now you can have The Office in this model for every single location around the world. Yeah. You know, for every dialect. So, you know, there's just so many wonderful opportunities here. And as long as the studios are not greedy pig pigs, they could share the wealth. Yeah. Right. Or if, if I just wanted to learn about uh, like an event, like a recent event, you could have a show created about it and learn about it that way, right? Many of the things that we would see on those shows were- Give us an example. Well, let's just say, imagine like a Seinfeld episode where somehow Kramer's involved in the Trump indictment. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Incredible. Which indictment? <laughs> I mean, I haven't, I haven't refreshed Drudge Report in- four hours yeah. so uh, it's like, probably another 50 kramer was in that room with the box of course yeah. yeah of course no he was you know what he was the guy who they said go you go race the videotapes of the uh <laughs> thing and the big boss wants you to race videotapes it's yeah. crazy are you still using your personal phone number for your startup in 2023 is your sales team really your ops people customer support this is a huge mistake 
you have your precious customers, your clients, your partners in one of your team members personal phones and team members last what one year to five years on average, and then all that knowledge is gone forever. And maybe they go to a competitor. Well, open phone will solve this problem. Open phone has rethought every detail of what a modern business phone will look like. It's just magic. You download an app or you log in on your desktop and you're done. It's amazing. My sales team, my ops team, they use it every single day. And we've recently found that it's valuable for when we do conferences, we have a phone number for when we do something like Angel Summit, all of the communications goes through there. If anybody needs to call us our VIPs, they call that. And then it can do like a round robin kind of thing where it rings multiple phones at once. So different employees can field those calls and nobody gets to the fourth fifth ring. It's the number one rated business phone on G2 for customer satisfaction. And that's really hard to do. If you're in the SaaS business, you know how hard it is to beat competitors in the ratings game. Open phone is already affordable to you at a starting price of $13 per user per month. But twist listeners, you always get a better deal. You get 20% off any plan for the first six months at openphone.com slash twist. And if you have an existing number with another service, open phone will port them over at no extra cost. Head to openphone.com slash twist to start your free trial and get 20% off. All right. So All right. now building on this, you have uh, another company you wanted to show. Well, it's just pace of innovation. We've got runway back up and we're just starting to, you know, we've seen some of these things before. So I'm just going to point out some very specific examples. So this is, this is runwayml.com. Runwayml.com uh, raised a good, nice chunk of money recently. They've been crushing it. Uh, what I'm showing here is a prompt that says aerial drone footage of a mountain range. And it, you know, creates a little clip that has that. What I'm going to go uh, forward here on is something a little bit more interesting. And I think this is pretty cool. Um, this is the example. So here, someone is trying to create like a storyboard. Mm -hmm. And Jake, you've probably done this way more yep. than I have ever even come across. And the storyboard on the left hand side is someone taking their iPhone and stacking up some books. But really what they want to have is those books represent a shot that is of a skyscrapers. Yeah, it's a flyby. And, yeah, it's a flyby. Like a drone shot. Yeah. And so I really think this is incredible coming back to, you know, we were talking about the animation and where it's coming to and how you can create flyovers and screens. And last week we demoed the, you were drawing your um, bulldogs. Yeah. What do you think of this, Jacob? I mean, the, so the, it's taking a shot on the left and then it's enhancing it and making it into what you want, which is kind of like somebody walking into the, you know, design studio, like George Lucas comes in and says, like, hey, um, I made some drawings. And here's what Darth Vader is going to look like. And, they, yeah. you know, they pull out a mood board, or here's a picture of a samurai, here's a picture from sci fi, and here's my drawing. And, and that uh, is all part of the creative iteration process. And if you can make the process go faster or increase fidelity, um, you're going to have better outputs. You know, yeah. it's like somebody coming into a room, this is great video of um a producer pitching jay-z on a bunch of different tracks and one of yeah. them is dirt off your shoulder yeah uh you know that famous bum, 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 bum. anyway and he you see jay-z kind of like reacting to the first three or four you know uh loops and he's yeah. like he's kind of digging it but then he hears that one the iconic one yeah. and he's just starts spitting and he's just this is it you know like you see the look on his face like whoa this is going to be iconic 
Yeah. And that's the moment everybody's looking for, which is how do we take and you're showing it right now with that turtle, oh, yeah, you know, a human that, turning yeah. into a turtle. It's like, these yeah. are incredible. Uh, you know, if the actor can emote it or the director can emote it, and then you can make it into an animation. I mean, I think some of the great animated films in history are could be created today, you know, like The Little Mermaid, or something or Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it feels like th that 60s, 70s into the 80s genre of animation from Disney. Yeah. Uh, just like South Park, uh, the, all of those, the super friends when we would watch or he man, that fidelity is going to be available to consumers to make their own shows. And so I think this means creative people, you could have some kid, you know, some young girl in Afghanistan is going to come up with the next South Park or the next iconic superhero and that should be inspiring to everybody now i know for some people it's scary because you know they get to play superheroes on tv or they've got a lock on it or they've spent their careers i i look at well what is the opportunity for the next generation the opportunity for the next generation is i think more people are going to be able to make the next iconic superhero you know rap song logo poetry novel and more power to them i love it yeah, I think we're just on the verge of an explosion of content creation. Yes. And each iteration has made it easier and easier. Like, think back to the very first filmmakers. They were limited to the, maybe the few hundred people on the planet that had access to the camera and the film. Right, J.K.L.? Uh, this was, uh, I mean, look at what we're doing right now. Zoom and webcams and yeah. all of a sudden enable everybody to have a talk show. Yeah. In order to have a talk show previously, you had to beg some local news station like Oprah did to get, you know, a time slot to get cameras, $150,000 in cameras, yeah. $10,000 in tapes every time you recorded an hour, you had to have 20 people on the set. And now the lighting and the makeup is all done by software right now. So, that you know, I, I love the fact that more people, when you lower costs, you increase accessibility. Yeah. That's it. it. It's that simple. And so uh, I feel bad for the, you know, actors and writers who feel like maybe um, they're going to be losers in all of this. But I feel great for the long tail of content creators who are going to be enabled by this. Yeah. And I think they're the seed, like just to give them some hope. Like, I think you don't have to do 10 seasons or, you know, what we were talking about earlier. You can do two and you can put that out to the community and then they can create from it. And I think what'll be amazing is we'll see a show that maybe was um, like a B plus or a B in popularity in its original run, but then mm. it's derivative, it's AI yeah. derivative becomes like a top five smash hit. I mean, we, and we've had that happen before, you know, you've had things that had a cult following, you know, on air, they didn't make it to season three. I think there was like Firefly or some of these shows. And then all of a sudden, people are like, wow, that was such a great show. Let's bring it back. Let's give it another shot. Uh, yep. Make a movie out of it, whatever. Um, what else is going on in AI? All right. Okay. Uh, now we're that we've gonna, got, we beat the entertainment. Uh, we're going to keep cruising here. Um, we don't have By the way, for the studios, yeah. you really just have to share the wealth and come up with a system that's fair. So yeah. the, the actors and the writers have a point here. Instead of the actors having to say no AI and you having to say, like, we're going to do AI. Just come up with an economic model. It's very simple. Yeah. And they had an economic, but they had residuals. Yeah. So, like, I think this is on the streamers. I think this is literally the technology industry is causing this problem. I think Netflix is the key bad actor. 
Netflix really? does not want to play residuals. Netflix just wants to buy it. They don't want to share the data. I put the entire industry's problems on Netflix's shoulders. Maybe double click into that, J.K.L. What's the reason for that? Netflix is a technology company. They basically want to pay everybody a flat rate, own their content forever. What the studios did for a long time was they were like, oh, well, we'll have you make this. And if we sell it again, we'll take Seinfeld and we'll sell it to Fox for reruns and we'll sell it in this region for reruns. And whatever money we make, we're going to chop it up takes a little bit of accounting. Yeah, there's a little fugazi accounting on the margins, but everybody's going to get residual checks. Okay. Everybody's going to get some piece of the pie. What Netflix said was, You're, you did Orange is the New Black. Those actors got paid a pittance, and they've been pretty vocal about it. They got okay. nothing. And they Orange is the New Black was one of the seminal shows, right? That yeah. built the Netflix original IP And, and Jacob, why did they get paid so little? Because they, the streamer said, listen, we're we're not reselling it we own it we're going to put it on our service for a subscription fee so give us a pass on this we'll pay you more netflix lied they said to everybody or they eventually lied um they told everybody we'll pay you more on the way in uh and then but we're not going to do residuals because we're just gonna have a content library uh, and we're going to subscribe and it's a new model wow. what they should have said okay. was hey we're going to put you into this new model and you're going to get equity some number of shares in netflix and okay. if you choose to sell them you sell them but as part of your deal you're going to get, you know, 10,000 an episode in cash and 5,000 an episode in stock. If you want to keep making money, don't sell your stock because yeah. you're going to have after, you know, as a, one oh, of the wow. actors on okay. the show, you're going to have 100,000 in Netflix shares. Keep it. We, we suggest you keep it. Or they could say, we're going to give you RSUs. So for the next 50 years, you're going to get yeah. 10 shares a year of Netflix. And the notion know? of syndication went away. The notion of syndication went away. You, oh. Netflix, Orange is the New Black is not available on HBO or whatever. Yeah. So the whole industry now is going to a library that you subscribe to. So how do you chop it up? Well, what they should say is, we're going to pay you for the show. The other possibilities pay you for the show. And then every time a show is watched on air, when it hits a million views per year, we're going to give, we're going to put $1,000 into this kitty to share yeah. $10,000 to share when it hits 10 million, another 10,000, whatever. And yeah. you'll just build it up by the number of views. So if something like Orange is the New Black or Ozarks is a perennial thing that people keep yeah. watching, great. Yeah. If not, great. And that's why you see HBO Max. You notice how they took shows down? Yeah. And everybody's upset. Like, why are you shows? That's because they have to pay residuals on those, is my yeah. understanding. So because they have to pay money, they're like, well, like, what's the point of having this on air? Not enough people are watching it. It's costing us money. We need to save money. So they take all that stuff down. And they're like, why will you take that down? Yeah. And it's like, well, because we have to pay back ends on it and we don't have the money. Wow. So there's a balance between these two things. I, I believe the right system, if you want to read a great book, something like an autobiography by Akira Kurosawa, one of my top three directors. Um, and Kurosawa is uh, worked for Toho Studios. And in Japan, you worked full time for Toho Studios. So imagine if Spielberg and a great writer and the actors all worked for the studio full-time. They had a full-time position. They made a million dollars a year, a half million dollars a year, whatever yep. it is. And then they would send them to an onsen and like a, you know, for a retreat. When they had the retreats, they would write two or three screenplays. They would act them out. Then they would say, let's go with this movie. Let's do this one. We're going to do a samurai film. No, let's do this noir one. And the group would kind of like almost like a little startup factory would make two or three films a year. And you'd, I would work with you on the samurai film. Then I would work with you on high and low, okay. the noir yeah. film. And then we do an experimental film. And everybody was just full-time employed. Everybody was yeah. part of the system. And it wasn't this like begging for scraps nonsense. 
okay. which is what's killing people now. So I think if I'm Netflix, I just hire the hundred best writers in Hollywood for a million dollars a year each, or you know, on average, two hundred fifty k each. Give them some act- two hundred fifty k. Like look at them like developers. That would work amazing. Hey everybody, today I'm joined by Root CEO Dan Dorfman. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. Tell everybody here in the audience, what is Roots and what makes it different than the other real estate investing platforms? I'm a complete neophyte. Roots is a REIT with a little twist. Sorry, I had to do it. We are the first real estate portfolio that we know of that builds wealth for both our investors and our residents. And we've created a unique win-win model that creates partners and not tenants. We built this model because I've spent my entire career in real estate investment, 13 years, And what you always hear from people is, hey, location, location, location. But location at the end of the day doesn't actually pay your bills. And location doesn't let you know when there's a small leak that will create mold in the future. The people do. And the people who rent your properties are really the people who generate your profits. And when those people are your partners, it really creates this amazing scenario. And it's this model that's helped us grow our fund over 36% in the last two years. Fantastic. How can people learn more about this opportunity, both on the tenant side or on the investor side? Check us out at investwithroots.com backslash twist. All right, everybody go to investwithroots, no spaces, no dashes.com slash twist to sign up and start investing today. Jacob, I I didn't set this one up as a demo because it's a a CRM. Oh, I love this. Yeah. And I want to talk about it um, because they've done some really incredible things. And as I was actually doing some prep work with Nick, he mentioned that you guys had done some heavy CRM work recently. And yes. so, um, part, you know, I didn't want to create a whole fake CRM. It was no problem. A little Customer bit too relationship work. management, if you're new to the game, is yeah. uh, a way of putting all your contacts into yeah. a database to manage them. Yeah. Those could so, be startups you're investing in. It could be customers at your restaurant. It could be people who buy your SaaS product. Continue. Yes. So this is folk.app. Um, okay. Uh, kind of a new CRM software, but you know they have some AI twists, which I, I thought were really really cool. And so I just have their video up, and I'm just going to forward through a couple of sections that I find it really interesting. And so um, you know you can do all the stuff about sucking in your contacts and all so that. So what it's so doing just- here is it's authenticating with your LinkedIn, authenticating with your Gmail, and then it's putting everybody on the left hand navigation as investors, journalists, Correct. media, potential sales. So prospects, suppliers, your team, yep. etc. So it's automatically putting people into what looks like an Airtable or a Google Sheet or, you know, HubSpot or yeah. pick your CRM. Exactly. And then they have a Chrome extension. Sure. That as you're cruising around the internet as well, if you come across someone's page, you hit this ad as potential SaaS investor and it adds them to that CRM, which I think is pretty yep. neat as well. We have a company co- Lead IQ that um, has that exact functionality. Yeah. Great. Um, and yeah. and I think those are a little bit table stakes. Like I'm not sure. like, you know, look, we've seen those have existed before. for a long time. Yeah. Where it starts to get interesting is as they go further down the process here and they're going to start. Um, uh, and in this particular case, they want to do some follow-ups and you can see here, they want to write a personalized icebreaker mm-hmm. to each person in their particular list. Ah. And what it's doing here is it's created this magic field which is the personalized fault fo- and it, you know, done it with AI, which mm-hmm. is the personalized icebreaker to each yep. person in that list. Love it. Yeah. yeah. And so 
Um, and then, you know, obviously you go down this typical CRM workflow here to create your template. And it obviously integrates the email mail merge type functionality that you're looking for. And I know as I was showing this to Nick, Nick told me that he spent about a week customizing a bunch of outbound emails. Um, yeah, when we to, invite people, like when yeah. we do the All-Star Summer, we make a target list. Yep. And then we'll use uh, mail merge technology to send a first email, a follow-up yep. email, a follow-up email, and a follow-up email. And so that, but you don't want to send it like, hey, Joe, join us, or hey, Dharmesh, join yeah. us for this. week. It's like, okay, let's be really thoughtful. We got a thousand people we could invite. Who are the top yep. 100? Okay, yep. now let's write a very specific email to that person of why we want to have them on the show. Hey, Dharmesh. Yeah. The last time you were on the show was 11 years ago, episode this. So that initial sentence uh, that you should do. And so it's basically doing that for you. Yeah. Um, who knows how good it is or the fidelity of it. But, you know, that is uh, definitely the holy grail uh, yeah. is to write that AI sentence. Yeah. Great, and yeah. so and you know, obviously here you have all the different folks in the different stages of your pipeline and where they're at. And so yep. standard I, CRM, yep. standard CRM stuff. And so that's yeah, um, great. Yep. Yeah, Congrats and I think, yeah. you know, this is a great example of taking an existing tool and just how you add in AI and almost make it um, really seamless to, to the workflow that is challenging to us every single day. And so yep. I, I thought these guys did a really good job. I mean, this is the thing I talked about earlier with you, which was, hey, I want to be able to find startups that I'm unaware of and then send them a note, let them know JCal AI is operating. And I think this is like, one of the holy grails um, yeah. of what is something we do every day? Well, we try to network with people. Well, how can yeah. we more intelligently network without it being spammy? And so if you're an investor in companies, if if I know I have 10 meeting slots next week, I and uh, then 12 and then 15 and then 30, if I could set an AI loose on the world, the baby GPT, um, to go and say, find me anything that's like these companies in our portfolio that have yes. become wins, like Uber, like Robinhood, whatever, DoorDash. Oh. These are companies that we know are winners. Go just go email people who have companies we think might win and pull it up on PitchBook, Crunchbase, yep. you know, TechCrunch, New York Times, whatever. Could could be compelling uh, in yep. the future. So I do think that everybody wants that, um, and then it just has to not be spammy. And the thing I'm finding is fidelity. Yeah. I'm working on a bunch of AI projects and, uh, you know, even things like tagging a blog post I was talking about in our previous thing and having the right tags, even getting that fidelity to human, I keep hitting 60, 70, 80%. And one of the things I'm getting a little concerned about mm -hmm. is, is this technology going to hit 60, 70, 80%? Because for me to trust it, I really needed to get to a hundred. Yeah. And so I think that's where the industry might have been oversold a little bit. And I'm really focused on um, closing the gap between 60%, like we're talking about with the South Park stuff, and 100%, yep. right? Yeah. Or 99%, or the equivalent of humans, which might be 98, 97, 98, 99, so that a human can come out of the process. It reminds me of the Cafe X coffee machine that we were investors in. Yep. The reason I invest, I, I knew robots would have a profound impact on food. I looked at Zoom Pizza, I looked at the dishwasher robot, I looked at a Froyo, I looked at a tea. I looked at a salad one. I looked at the Momentum Burgers one that I think Coastal had invested in. Yep. All of those, Sonny, 
would automate 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% of the process. And if you look at that, you're like, oh, wow, it can make 70% of French fries. You're like, great. But that doesn't make the difference that Cafe X hit, which was this thing's making you, you know, a dirty chai latte matcha with foam, iced, yep. warm, with some cookies on the side with zero human intervention. That last 20, 30% of self-driving or making a pizza is the hardest part. Yeah, and I yeah. suspect for knowledge work, it also is the hardest part. But when you close it, yeah. right now, those two machines in SFO, the two CAFX machines are, are the highest square footage of revenue of revenue anything in, yeah. in the United States in an yeah. airport. Now, it's yeah. not as high as a jewelry store. Like, I think actually the highest per square foot is either Tesla or... Um, Apple Tiffany store. or well, right. Apple store is high, but yeah. I think it's Tiffany, Tesla yeah. and Apple are the okay. highest per square footage. Yeah. But those cafe X machines are such a small footprint. footprint yeah. And the two of them are, I think are going to hit like they're getting close to a million between the two of them. Yeah. And they take one hour of human cleanup a day to put more beans, put more milk, yeah. you know, take out the garbage kind of situation. So man, well, I, 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 I think that has to happen for the knowledge work too, whether it's well, CRM or tagging yeah. something or making a script. Well, my comment there is anything that has to do with language, mm. I feel like we're in the high 90s. And you feel high need, 90s, huh? I feel oh, yeah. 60s, 70s. So. Yeah, and we need to understand. So one of the things that we should do offline is mm. <clears throat> look at your use case and understand where it's coming short. Because mm. we use it in a lot of different places. Anything that has to do with language, it can be definitely in the high 90s. Mm. Now, right. that requires a lot of tuning, but you know we'll get there. All right, so let's let's continue with the demos, J. Cal. I know you love these. Oh, um, I love your demos. Any demos. So what we did here was um, we added the circle to our um, conversation about Netflix there mm -hmm. that we had, J. Cal. Yep. And basically, it gave us an overview. What's that, this know, product called? Uh, Circleback.ai. Okay. Yeah. Oh, look at this. It's giving, uh, this is like uh, Vinny's, Vinny's uh, demo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is, hey, we just had this conversation on Zoom. We're talking about yeah. this episode, and it says yeah. Netflix compensation model. Jason Calacanis criticized Netflix low payment to <laughs> actors and creators, citing Orange is the New Black as an example. Calacanis proposed an equity-based payment deal where actors and creators receive a certain number of Netflix shares. His He suggested that residuals could be linked to shows viewership on the platform that's unbelievably accurate and producer nick this is what i've been begging for for <laughs> the three or four <laughs> years you're here is like how do we get the solution and it turns out it's right here for with ai really well done to the team at circle yeah and uh you know so they do uh you know they kind of summarize the conversation and then you know i say hey we were demoing this at the end what i really like is jkl it also drafts an email to send to folks oh my that God. work there Thanks for your great insights in yesterday's meeting where we discussed the potential uh, shift in compensation models within the streaming industry. We tackled some controversial topics, including <laughs> criticism of Netflix approach to payments. The impact, yeah. I mean, this is uncanny. Yeah. Jason Calacanis. You, you can yeah. do all the formal. Casual, and all that. formal. Yeah. You can change the tone. Exactly. Yeah. It's got the action items that, you know, uh, and look, we were just, we didn't know it was there. Like I had Nick kind of added in the background when we were talking about that. Netflix section, um, and then the transcript. And so, look, I, I think, uh, you know, this continues to just show how fast the space is evolving. Amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable.
And I think, um, you know, look, this this is really good. We should have Vinny come back on, right? And talk about when yeah. he's back on with us. Like, I mean, this is going to change everything. And this is why in our investment firm, I started recording everything. So yeah. I said, I want all of our investment because, you know, like uh, Bridgewater is that Ray Dalio's firm. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And he records everything and then they transcribe everything and then they insult each other and rate each other and yeah. they rate each <laughs> other. All this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds wonderful to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm a lunatic. <laughs> I would love to have somebody sit there and be like, Jake Al, nine years ago, you said no to Twitter. And here's what you said. And just put it in my face and like, make me a better decision maker. So I make more money. Love Bridgewater Associates lunacy. I want that lunacy. And so I started saying, hey, every investment team meeting yeah. and every programs team meeting, we're now recording. Yeah. And I told everybody, assume that we're going to get hacked at some point or Zoom gets hacked and our files get released. So don't ever insult a founder on a call or call them dumb or say they had, you know, a piece of spinach in their teeth, like just basic blocking and tackling. So make sure young people don't do something stupid, like talk yeah. at a school. Um, because people do do that. Sometimes it's a mistake. Don't ever do it. Um, so I was like, you know, assume you're going to, it's going to get leaked. But what's really interesting is now we've had this wonderful thing where we're transcribing it bullet points. And I'm like, man, I can't wait till next year when I can point AI at this and say, Tell me which of those companies we passed on, who who was in the we should invest and who was in the not invest. Yeah. And then let's have a, you know, let's see if we can get better. Yeah. Uh, be better decision makers. Yeah. Who, who's co how on earth would you ever coach a venture capitalist to be better at what they do? Yeah. You know, like it, nobody's recording this stuff. It's all ephemeral. Everybody redoes their view of what happened in the past, you know. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Would you guys u start using this one, JK? Like, uh, what we just For sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I uh, right now we're using Notions AI. We've tested obviously Chat GPT four, um, and I guess Slack doesn't have any kind of API built into it. But we did take Claude. Yeah, Claude. Yeah, yeah. So we just started playing with Claude. I mean, I, one of the things that's happening right now is the AI companies are releasing so fast, and they're leapfrogging each other that I feel like I'm buying a mobile phone 10 years ago. Yeah. And when then, it was like, oh my God, the Blackberry Bold has this. And then the Nokia has this. And then the iPhone has this. And then the, you know, yeah. Android has this. And you're like, HTC has yeah. this. It, it feels like those, yeah. th yeah. that moment in time where you just can't even keep up with the. Yeah. I, I don't have a demo, but we'll do it next week. Uh, Jacob, but we just added struct to our company Slack. Ah, yeah. And so, so it, it we added Claude to our Slack. And so yeah. you can kind of ask Claude to join the discussion kind of situation. Yeah. Is it the same kind of thing with Struck? Same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. what is Struck's model based on? Uh, Do you know, I is it ChatGPT before or is it their own model? No, it's, that pro it's probably one of the, the bigger, yeah. larger models. I don't think it's their own model. So, yeah. you know, the yeah. interesting thing here is like, do I want my Slack being fed into uh, a language model or yeah. G even giving access so this is where it gets a little dangerous because we're yeah. talking about proprietary in our slack yeah. about yeah. people's companies and so you know what if we're talking about uber in year one and then some other venture firm has this thing plugged in and they're asking about it and then it spits out some uber data that it ingested right yeah i mean open ai and we can I, i'll pull up the tweet here open ai has been very very explicit the last few months about if you have an enterprise relationship with them, they do not train against your data. Mm. Nick, tell us about your 45-page investor presentation you dropped into Claude. 
Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were going to cover it all in, but we never got to it. Sam Altman spacked a nuclear company that's doing all oh, right. yeah. nuclear reactors yeah, 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 all yeah. around the country. Module. And I, I did, it was a 44, 45 page investor uh, presentation for their yeah. spec. And I just dropped the PDF in Claude to see if it could do it. Because I remember reading that Claude could, I, I think the big thing they were referencing 100,000 like, tokens, yeah. Yeah, they could do the yeah. whole novel of The Great Gatsby, yeah. the whole novel, and explain it to you in a couple bullet points, right? It can ingest everything. So I tried the investor doc and uh, the investor presentation, and it was perfect. Wow. Explained it in bullet points perfectly. I could probably pull it up, actually. I have it in my history somewhere. No, it's all good. I mean, I think I, we get it. Um, it was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apple also cut off employees' access to chat GPT, which makes sense. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it, I, there's a rumor now that Apple's going to get in on this. Um, it would be amazing if Siri actually worked. In relation to like how well Bard and ChatGPT are working. All right, everybody. This has been and any other demos or anything we should get to, or we'll put it up for next week. I think we do it next week. I got a okay. couple more, but let's queue them up, right? Let's queue them up. All right, everybody. All right. If uh, oh, did you hear Sergey's back at Google too? Yeah, I heard multiple Sergey's days a week. Sergey's in the building. Yeah. Multiple you know, Brad, days a week. Brad had a uh, like a he does a yoga barn series. Yes, the yoga barn and, series. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, he had uh, Sergey showed up there to the last yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, well, that may be speaking at school there, but, uh, no, yeah. I mean, Sergey's super smart and, yeah. um, yeah, great 10 year hiatus. And now is back. In, I mean, I, I think everybody wants to go back to work. I'm, I am getting this space in San Mateo and, um, I'm getting my garage and I'm done with remote work. I'm never yeah. going to hire, I'm not, hire, I'm never going to hire another remote worker. I decided, I mean, I'll grandfather everybody in. I got great of remote course, team yeah. members, but yeah. I think I'm just so over it. I just want to have people in a room. There's just too much that's lost in all due respect to remote workers who are crushing it. I think one third of remote workers do a better job at home. And I think the other two thirds do less. Yeah. That, that's just my, I would say two out of three don't well, do their know best what, work. What, one out of three do better work. You know what's I, happened? I, as good or better. You know say. what's happened? Um, with all the AI enhancement, I know you've been pushing your team. Mm -hmm. That has a, I'm just going to put this out there. Yeah. That has a further multiplier effect on those that are in the office. Because they can go over each other's shoulders yes. and walk people through what they're doing. Yes, exactly. Versus when you're at home, you're kind of just using it as a, like, you know, replacing yourself and that's it and doing your own job. Right. Versus in the office, everyone's pushing each other to go to, yes. you know, it's like going running level. alone or going yes. running with a group of people. Yeah. You run with a group of people, you, you, you run further, you run faster, you run better. You run yeah. alone. Yeah. Two out of three people who run alone and I'm in that group, I'm just not going to perform at the highest level. When I'm in an office, I used to do 20 meetings in a day with founders. Yeah. 20. I would go for 12 hours, 20 to 30 minute meetings. That's crazy. Wow. No breaks eating at the table with a founder uh, no when yeah. we did our accelerator i would do 20 yeah. meetings in a row well i would give each well actually no we did more i probably do 30 meetings in a day i would do three groups of 10 wow. and i would give each one 15 minutes so yeah. you know, for an hour yeah. and we were on a clock yeah and we and the clock was in the corner i mean yc does this too everybody yeah. does this but the point is performance goes up in a group in a room yeah yeah you know, so uh i think it's i think and that's that's what I think is going to be the big rebound here is I don't know if you're seeing like all these AI hackathons happening in San Francisco. Yeah. Like everybody who's in AI is super motivated. And yeah. then, uh, if you're a founder right now, 
I'm telling all my founders, move to San Mateo, move to uh, Oakland, just just get to San Francisco. Yeah. And your chat because right now funding is tight. Yeah. If you want to if you want a 10 extra chance of being funded, come to the bay. Yeah. Get a tiny little apartment and ramen it and uh, your chances will go way up. I saw your tweet today though. You got 25,000 for anybody who's just 25k. No, I'm I literally, you know, I got this launch fund for it's going yeah. pretty well uh, in terms of raising it. And, you know, our we have this founder university, which is a pre-accelerator it's for yep. people who are working on MVPs. So yeah. I'm going to start doing it in person. Yeah. And um you know, we are on our sixth cohort. We had a thousand people apply. We're accepting 250. And then of the 250, I'm giving 40 of them 25K each. So nice. of the two, so if you're, you got a one in five chance basically of me giving you 25K yeah. during the program on the way into the program. So if you show up with an, if you show up as a developer with a designer or two designers yeah. and a developer or a growth hacker and a developer, if it's any two smart people, I'll give you 25K for 2.5% million dollar valuation. I'm your rich uncle, rich aunt. Yeah. Call me Auntie Jake Al. Yeah, I'll give you the 25k to just incorporate because yeah. I'm meeting people. There's a lot of young people who don't even have the money to incorporate. They yeah. don't have the 25k to just even pay their lawyers or whatever. And I don't care if you lose it because yeah. I'm going to do 400 in this next fund launch fund four. Yeah. I'm targeting you know, I'm interested in your feedback on this. I'm targeting 400 three to 400 of these 25k bets 7.5 to 10 yeah. million. If it's a yeah. $100 million fund or a $50 million fund, then it will be either 7.5% to 10 per to 20% of the fund, something like yeah. that range. But as a, f a group of first bets, and then I have an option to put more money into the company. So I asked them like, Hey, just save 250 for me in the next one, yeah. save me a slice of the, of the next round. Yeah. Um, which is like an official term. Oh. And, uh, you know, if I can hit one in a hundred, uh, I'll one in 50, whatever, you know, whatever hit winds up being, this will be an incredibly performing portfolio. So this is my kind of vision is to just get, more people to start companies. I mean, it's like what Toby talks about with Shopify and e-commerce. You yeah. are doing, and I think the intersection with AI is going to be your real hundred X JCal because it's much easier to start these, and they fall much more into the flavor yeah. that you can help at in those phases as well. I think it's incredible. Well, you know, if I if your first stamp in your passport is JCal, yeah, like when you open your passport at the next stop. They're like, oh, you know, Jake Al? Yeah. I'm not being a narcissist here. I just know that I know everybody. Yeah. And if I don't know somebody, there's a 50% chance they know me. Yeah. And, and you've seen a lot, which means you can help them because you can tell them, hey, yeah. I've seen. But I'm, yeah. I'm just even making yeah. it even more basic. Cindy, yeah. if you're a known quantity, it's like, oh, you know, Jake Al? Uh, great. What's he like? Or, yeah. oh, yeah, I know Jake Al. Uh, we're in this company together. So when you get yeah. 400 investments like I have, you know, yeah. you're, you're kind of a known quantity in decade number two. So I'm more than willing to put that stamp in your passport. You know, Jason at Calacanis.com for life. Email me. Listen, Sonny, you're amazing. Thanks so much for educating us every week. And uh, I sent you an email while we were talking to meet with the team at inside.com. Okay. So I want to show you what we built. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. All Talk right. Thanks. Bye.